friends, I'm Fiona Lewis. And I'm Gwen Crabb. And welcome to the Say It How It Is podcast. Connected by Vodafone. We are on a mission to bring taboo topics to light and change the narrative. Being vulnerable can be tough, but we're here to show you that even those at the top of their game, be that sports, coaching, business or medicine, go through the same struggles, problems and issues as you. But just a quick disclaimer, we are not professionals, just two rugby players sharing our own experiences and stories, having open and honest conversations with some amazing guests. If you are affected by any of the topics discussed in the podcast, please do contact a professional. And now, let's get into today's episode. Okay, uh, welcome back to another episode of the series podcast, where we are joined by Ryan Stevens, uh, mindset coach, ultra marathon runner, committed sea dipper. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. You're very welcome. Okay, start off. Who is Ryan Stevens? What's Talk the story? What's, what's your story? <laughs> Um, <laughs> Big question to start. Yeah. Uh, so to give a bit of a sort of, you know, overview pretty much of, you know, who I am today, um, I do ultra marathons. I've done ultra ultras for probably four years now. Uh, so it, it was, I, I did loads of, uh, mar- uh, sorry, half marathons and things like that. And then in 2019, um, something changed. I was just like, why do I think I can't run a marathon? Uh, I ended up doing two in a month, an ultra a couple of months after that. And then since then I've done eight or nine ultras, including um, a hundred mile ultra marathon back in June. So that was the third attempt at that. Um, I've always, or for probably a couple of years prior to that as well, I've always liked you know, being physically active, challenging myself. And that, that's a very key theme uh, with my life is is challenging myself and then challenging other people to be better versions of themselves in, in the same respect. Um, you know, and, and then how I do that is through mindset and wellbeing, coaching, mentoring. Um, and then I do loads of stuff with schools, colleges, universities, and yeah, private companies and things like that. So training. Um, and I've just started like a retreat business as well called Wild Minds Gower, which is um, incorporating all the stuff I do, the well-being, the self-development uh, in a weekend, basically, or, you know, like a daytime thing. It's, it's going to be a bit of a mixture, but it's essentially getting people out into the, uh, to nature and help them to, helping them to develop new skills, develop a new mentality uh, that's going to help them move forward in their lives. And yeah, th- those are things that I'm like extremely passionate about. Um, and yeah, I go in the sea or any natural body water every single day. And it's, I think it's 1,100. Oh, I was going to get to this. Yeah. 1,120 odd days. He's got now. a tattoo, everyone, of his commitment. Yeah, definitely see that. But. So win on that. <laughs> yes, I love that. So that is your, well, like, flipping neck every day. That is a lot of days. Yeah, we've recently stopped. Well, I say uh, we. we. Um, <laughs> well, I had a technical hitch to be fair. I did have another operation. Sure. <laughs> Myself and, and my housemates, we've gone in every Saturday morning uh, down in Porthcawl. And Fionn came along once and she was honestly like, I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. Five minutes later, she's like a mermaid in that. <laughs> she's like, go and get her out. <laughs> but, I was like, going, I was like, I'll leave me here then. <laughs> it's actually the highlight of my week because it's like, weirdly, I, I don't want to do it. Mm. But like, I have a feeling in my head where I'm like, I like, you know how good you're going to feel afterwards. And I like the idea of like starting the day with discomfort because then afterwards you're like, well, I've done hard shit today. So the rest of the day is going to be so what, easier. What got you into it? Because you've done, you've committed to a, a lot of days of, of going into it. Like, are you deeming the benefits from it? Do you know what I mean? Like, what got you into wanting to commit to something like that? So... I always get that question, actually, you know, do you feel different, you know, from starting to do it? And, and I do say, because I've done it every day for so long, 
it's really difficult to kind of think how I felt physically and mentally prior to doing it. But what I do say, you know, that I recognize about it is that it's daily reset for me. You know, if I, so I haven't been in today yet. I missed it this morning. I just, I ended up sleeping for like 10 hours last night. I clearly <laughs> needed it, but I'm going to go after this. And th- there's always something that's, it, it feels like something's missing until I've done it. And then when I get in, I'm like, ah, there it is. You know, uh, so for me, it's a daily reset. And also like you said, then it's, it's this daily overcoming. It's that little challenge that, you know, most days I don't want to do, you know, especially when it's cold in the winter or it's dark and gloomy uh, or if I've got to do it by myself, which thankfully don't have to do much anymore because I'm always with a group. So it does, it makes it quite challenging and difficult to, to to keep pushing through. But in terms of like what got me started, yeah, I mean, I think it was, it was, it was about, it was in 2019, I was working for Swansea University and I remember getting up in the mornings and some days, I think through the summer into like maybe October time, I was just going in, um, going in the sea just before work. It just felt better for it, you know, and I remember I was advocating for the benefits of getting in the sea, being in nature, catching a sunrise and just doing positive stuff for your well-being back then. And that was way before I started doing the coaching and things, you know, that I'm doing now. So I knew it was good for me then. I knew that I felt good for having done it, but then I sort of amped it up a little bit then. And I think I went uh, on Christmas day, Christmas day. Yeah. Christmas day of 2019. I was really ill that at that point, actually I had COVID, but it was before we knew COVID was a thing. So I was really, really ill, but I remember going in and thought, Fuck, this is amazing. You know, I felt amazing. Great for it. Then lockdown hit in the March and I mean, nobody, we, we didn't really have much to do, you know, for the, for the first couple of weeks and months. And I think the novelty was great, wasn't it? It was like, oh, great. You know, I got all the spare time. I'm working from home and, you know, it, it, but it was a lot of uncertainty and, you know, a lot of anxiety, I think, for many people because it was like, oh, there is this thing that's coming around and we don't know how bad it's going to be. And it was just, yeah, it was a bit of a weird time. But I think at the middle of the year, then me and a couple of friends, we started going to the beach jumping in the sea or, or doing a beach clean, um, doing a little workout, jumping in the sea, and then we'd grab a coffee and crack on with the day. So there was a couple, about three or four of us. Then my auntie, she'd been doing it down in Langland, which is a much nice, nice beach than <laughs> where we were doing it before. <laughs> and she was, oh, you know, come down and you know do it with us. So we went with their group. And, you know, before you know it, you know, I'm there a couple of days a week advocating for the benefits and stuff on socials. A couple more people are joining. They're bringing people. And I think by probably by September, yeah, September 2020, this is like peak lockdown then, um, there was a group of about 25 people and, you know, we're all in the WhatsApp and it, it, everyone's like, all oh, right, we need to come up with a name. So I was like, oh, fuck, okay. And I, <laughs> I just put something out on social media and somebody come back and said, oh, the Wet Bandits. You know, I was like, fuck, yeah, that's, that's cool, <laughs> love that. So we did that and um, I think I was going about three or four days a week by this point. But the reason... It was, I said about, you know, going with people because I was going with a few people, uh, you know, in the group every time we were doing it, which was a couple of days a week. It just, it felt easy. Do you know what I mean? So I was, yeah, I probably doing three or four days a week. And then I think October, 2020, somebody randomly came up to me and said, oh, you're Ryan, the hundred day dipper. And I was like, am I? What a great name. Am I? I was like, I don't think I am. I was like, I said, my name's, yeah, I said, my name's Ryan. I don't think I'm the 100 day dipper. And they were like, yeah, yeah, you train in, in Funky Pump, didn't you? And I was like, not really. I said, now and again. 
It turns out there was another guy called Ryan. He was, it was him and his partner, Rachel, and they were doing 100 days of consecutive dipping. Right? So I thought, but before I knew that, I was like, fuck, I like the sound of that. <laughs> I want to be the 100-day dipper. <laughs> yeah, I was like... I know where that go, thousand. <laughs> <laughs> but that was it. I was like, I like the sound of that. And I, I liked doing challenges anyway, you know, and I thought, okay, what's every day UK winter? So I Googled it and I said, from that day, actually, 26th of October till spring equinox, March 20th. So I was like, oh, okay, cool. Um, that's something, it was like 120 something days. So I thought, okay, perfect. That's a bit of a serendipitous thing. The fact that it's saying from that day. So yeah, I just started doing the consecutive days. Um, and before I even hit a hundred days consecutive, I knew that I was going to keep on going with it. You know, I didn't know where it was going to lead to, but I just knew it was something I needed to keep doing. It just, I felt great physically and mentally. It, um, created like obviously this amazing community of people that met so many people from it but even though it's not something i get paid for with running the sea dipping group i literally just put the times up very flaky with the times as well we turn, you know <laughs> turn up 15 20 Eight minutes eight. late yeah this morning i didn't turn up at all obviously a few of them went there but um do they ever go there do they like give you grief they're like oh don't fancy it's an accountability thing yeah. <laughs> yeah they do a little bit yeah one of them one of the guys said to me uh because i asked there was a guy like in his i think he's in his 60s or 70s actually and i spoke to him in a cafe yesterday he said, oh, you're the lot that go in the sea. And I went, yeah, yeah, that's us. And got him to come along this morning, but I you didn't even bloody... Turn up. I know, and it didn't turn up. So, yeah, <laughs> I had a bit of grief off one of the guys. He's like, you, had, you tell people to come and not show up. But, um, uh, <laughs> it's interesting, really, because I read something that you'd said that uh, the impact that doing this has had on people. Um, and I wanted to chat to you about how that is for you, because quote me if I'm wrong, but someone said that, you know, there's a lot of people that wouldn't, feel like they would be here if it wasn't mm. for the community that you've created. So how is that for you? It's quite hard to process, actually. Um, so, you know, like it's a, it's a wellness community and I, and like the act that we do is getting in the sea. You know, that's the kind of way I look at it. You know, so we get up, we get to the sea, but you don't really need to do that. And I think we do a lot of social stuff as well. But in terms of like when we first started it during lockdown, um, like I said, it was for me, I'm just getting up doing something I enjoy something that makes me feel good and I'm just telling other people to do the same thing you know because it's you know good for, I, I know what, how it's helped me so it didn't really feel when somebody was saying like look the, during this time like I was in a really shit place and you know coming down being part of the group getting in the sea you know it literally saved me and like there was a few you know people who said things or variations of that and for me it kind of you know I don't know. It doesn't, it didn't feel like I did anything. Do you know what I mean? And that, it didn't feel like I did anything. It was, I was like, I'm just telling people something that's good. But, but that's the important thing I've learned actually is we can all do that. You know, I think just sharing stuff that we know works for us. You never know when people are listening. So just with this podcast now, you know, it sometimes feels like, cause you don't, you know, or maybe now and again, you get messages, you get the likes and get the comments and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, until you actually get somebody who, just comes out of the woodwork and says, do you know what? This has really, really helped me. It's quite hard to know the effect you're having. And, and I kind of knew that along, well, around that time, I started realizing what I'm doing is making an impact, even if I don't see that. And I think the main thing is just being true to yourself, doing what you know is right and good for you and, you know, good for other people. And, and just trusting that it's going to, it, well, the ripple effect is going to have a, an effect in ways that you won't actually realize so like the school talks 
half the time, you know, they're sitting there at the end of it. And you, you can imagine, right? You can imagine some schools, they just, they seem like Disengage. they don't care. Yeah. <laughs> they seem like they don't care. But weirdly, you've only got to get one. Yeah. You've only got to get one. You've only got one thing through to one person. And it's quite weird because sometimes then I'll get feedback from like, like it was a US 7 group in Tembe actually. And um, it was the last session of the day. I'd literally done five hours pretty much back to back of school talks. And it's it's just my story over and over. So by the end of it, I was like, my head is fucked. Yeah. <laughs> my head. Like, I'm so done of you in my own voice. Yeah. And um, I, I basically did like a feedback form, not for myself, it was through this Welsh government organisation I do it for now and again. And I, one of the questions was like, something that you've learned from the session, I think. And there was one, you know, year seven kid and you could see he'd wrote something down. He almost looked at me as if to be like, to look at it. Do you know what I mean? And it said like, oh, you've really inspired me to do things that make me happy. And I was like that. Oh, that's, that's amazing. <laughs> I know. That and, you took know. some prob- like, you know, strength and courage to be able to write that down. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, I can resonate with what you're saying because this is basically the reason for this podcast. And like over these last few weeks, you know, we're on episode se- seven. seven now. And maths is not strong, point, is it? <laughs> no, it's not. Or any subject, to be honest. Um, but anyway, <laughs> the, it's the people, like the messages we've got from someone saying like I had a message literally today I woke up to a message saying someone had listened to our uh, endometriosis episode and that they've gone to get checked and like and finding out that they've got certain symptoms and stuff and like it's the impact you have on somebody else and I think if you've got the right intentions and it's the, re- the, the purpose that you're doing something um, and yeah I think we've been quite overwhelmed with the feedback and the messages we've had but it just really makes us remember this is why we're doing it Mm. Um, it's a huge thing on social media as well I think because so many people just portray a highlights reel Mm. and I think if you try and be as real as you can as authentic as you can it's something I always struggled with growing up because I often thought like people were judging me or I cared too much what people thought of me but actually I've realized now that if I'm quite authentic on social media and I'm as real as I can be I help far more people that way because there's far more people that are like me than I realise and things with like us going through injuries, sharing that on on social media and I have like younger girls who are like starting out playing rugby, they might have ruptured an ACL and they're like, I've seen you've done this, um, the same injury as me. Like, just wanted to say, you know, you're really inspiring and the way Mm. you're going about your rehab. Do you have any advice? And for me, like that's, if it literally just had one purse and then mm. happy days because if I like I did my my other ACL when I was 17 and I had no one to, to look up to no one to turn to and I just felt very alone which isn't a nice place to be yeah. and I think that comes back to the like the, the community that you built with the seed dip is that often it's not actually the activity or the action that is the the main thing it's like having a vehicle for conversation and a vehicle to find like-minded people like I mentioned, I've started going down on a Saturday mm. and as, as soon as you go into the sea and you look around, there's like loads of different groups of people and instantly you're like, right, these are the kind of people that want to do tough shit. And I appreciate that so much because it doesn't matter what aspect of life we all, like, you, you might not ever meet these people again and they, you know, all different walks of life, but you, you look at them and you think you're doing a tough thing on a Saturday morning and that's pretty cool. And instantly you've yeah. got something to connect with. Yeah, you, you've hit the nail on the head there actually. So the, like I've said... I think the expression I've used actually is like people, you know, said to me, oh, getting in the sea during lockdown or getting in the sea in general is I completely changed my mindset. And I always knew that was the, like you said, it was the vehicle almost that, you know, you've used to do it, get there. 
but it's the silver bullet. The silver bullet is the community, is the connection, mm. is the being around other people and being around positive people as well. People who yeah. are interested in the same sort of wellness stuff that you're interested in or, you know, or that you've at least got an activity that's predicated on wellness. Whereas, you know, it, and for most people, but especially I think for, for males, like, going out to a pub and socializing like that in a lot of instances could be the only sort of socialization that they've done on a week. You know, if like I know a couple of my mates, you know, they'll go to work, they'll socialize in work essentially. But then after that, they might go to the pub on a Friday or Saturday and it's not really predicated on wellness. You know, you're getting that sense of community and connection. So the, maybe the oxytocin and all that kind of stuff, which is really important for well-being. But, you know, it's, it's predicated on an activity drinking or mm. you know yeah. in some instances Which doing other then stuff creates f- almost false connection mm. because like i can only speak for myself but like once i've had a drink i will speak to anyone <laughs> and about <laughs> any sober gal, yeah, right. well, <laughs> yeah like i'll speak to anyone about anything and to be honest, it's just it's just chatting shit, really, isn't it? Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like I remember when we no wait, we talk about. I took Gwen to Dubai. Right? You take me to Dubai. I took my child Gwen to Dubai, and she yeah, she got a bit boozy on the boat, didn't you, Gwen? Yeah. And in the end, I did this. <laughs> I was like, shut up, stop talking line out on the boat. Right, right, anyway, that was two years ago, me. What I, what I was saying is that, like, often I think then people don't laugh at me. Sorry. Often I think people mistake. You know, oh yeah, I've got good social life. I go out every weekend, and I, you know, I drink with. But actually, can you sit down and if you were struggling, or if your friend was struggling, like, can you sit down and have a conversation with them? Is it a proper connection, or is it just, you know, liquid confidence and mm. just yeah, chatting a bit of shit? I like that term, liquid confidence. That's cool. She's very yeah. wise, this <laughs> Gwen. <laughs> um, well, just to touch on, like, you know, we said about authenticity as well just now. So going back to that, I was going to say the. Um, I, I realized that's one of my personal values about a year or so ago, I think. Um, so it's like, I, like what you said, you help more people when you're being authentic and you're being like true to yourself. Um, but I, I realized sort of, uh, so Stephen Bartlett, for example, right? I'd never been able to like really warm to him. And I don't know why. I was a bit like, why? what is it? I thought, is it jealousy? Am I jealous of his, you know, of you know, success and this and that? Or he's good looking. I thought, is it that? <laughs> You know, and is, I, it, is the fact he's a multimillionaire, yeah, you know, is it the money, you know. And, but then I realized something and he, he's got a great way of, you know, marketing things, right? So that's his background, marketing. You know, he's, he's very salesy. You know, he knows how to sell his podcast and things like that with really like clickbaity titles, which, which is fine. You know, in terms of it, it, at the end of the day, I think it's getting out there to people or more people because of the fact that he's able to sell it in a great way. But I realized like authenticity because it doesn't feel sort of genuine it feels like it's ah, oh, you know we're doing doing this for another reason um i always i almost have like this natural aversion to it so if somebody is talking to me and i know that they're talking to me because they want something else mm-hmm. or they mm-hmm. want like information or they want do you know what i mean it's always like a reason isn't that like, yeah, yeah. All calculated yeah yeah and i've got this sort of I got this almost subconscious barrier yeah, to it. Yeah, I feel it. you. I'm like that. Yeah. I'm like, ooh, that gives me red What's flag. What's incentive? I'm like, like yeah. ooh, no. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. So like authenticity <laughs> is a big one for me. And I think, like you said, people pick up on that subconsciously. You can say, the words that you say, you could be like, yeah, I really want to do this. And you know, this is why I'm doing this. I really want to help people, blah, blah, blah. And people might take those words at surface la- level, but there's this this deeper part of us, I think, or deeper part of our, part of our brain, which almost knows there's something not right there. 
And it's the same thing with marketing as well. I think Simon Sinek talks about it, you know, and he said, when you talk about like, or you communicate your sense of purpose as a company, for example, or an individual, you know, if you're communicating uh, about your why and your purpose, he said, it speaks to this deeper part of somebody and people will you know, let's say go and buy an iPhone because it feels right. Like you said, that's even the way that we talk about it. It's like, it feels right to buy an iPhone. Whereas, you know, something else, another product, you might be like, oh, no, it doesn't feel right. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like, even though they've done all this stuff on marketing and things, that sense of purpose and that why it speaks to this deeper part of us. And I think authenticity as an individual is very much the same, same sort of thing. Like if you're being true to yourself, and you're being open and transparent and honest and stuff. I think people just pick up on that and they're much more likely to, to believe what you say, to follow, you know, you know, whatever you do and, and actually take things away as well, if you know what I mean. But I think people have really struggled with it, to be honest. Like, I understand it could be quite a vulnerable thing to do sometimes for people that could be quite insecure or, or are worried about what people think. But, um, yeah, I think we live in a society now where, like you're saying, like, that's more respected mm. and, it, and it can, you can see that more if someone's not being real or true. Um, and what were you going to say? You were going to say that. <laughs> yeah. Go on, Jeff. Um, <laughs> I could hear you. I know. I think a lot of that, you know, you're saying where sometimes people are quite self-conscious. Mm. It comes down to confidence, but confidence is a weird, it's a weird thing because you can't just get it. Like no. you can't go and can't buy, go it. buy it. Off or you can't, like, you can't just be like, you just need more confidence. Oh, there we are. Then cheers for that. Like I'm more confident. <laughs> I'm now confident. But it comes back down to one, like you say, your purpose, but then having action and like proof mm. that you can do it. Um, and I, th I think that's what a lot of people struggle with is they're like, I, I, I wish I was more confident, but you've got to just do it. You've got to do it first to get confident at it. Like the first time we came to sit down to do a podcast, we, we, were, like, we were for ages. We were yeah. for ages because we're like, is this right? Is that right? But like all of a sudden, then a couple of weeks down the line, it becomes more natural because we, because I got, hang on a minute. I've done this on episode one, two, three, four. Mm. And your brain does that subconsciously. It becomes a habit then, doesn't it? Like yeah. it becomes like second nature yeah and co confidence as well is an interesting one because we i always say this is like people will say oh, i'm just not a confident person and confidence is a bit of a spectrum i think that's probably yeah a fair way to put it so it's just it's not just oh i'm not confident because that means that you're not confident in absolutely anything so yeah. if you said to somebody okay so you know, when you say you're not confident, what do you mean? Like, you know, if you, w would you go up to somebody, um, like a male or female on the other side of a bar and just be like, oh, hi, are you okay? And sp speak to them in that sense. Oh, no, you know, God, no, I wouldn't do that. Okay. Would you, um, you know, go and do a job interview? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I've done that loads of times. Oh, okay. So you've got a, enough confidence. Form to, of confidence. Yeah, yeah. You've got a form of it. And it's like, it's varying degrees in different areas. So like, if you ask them as well, okay. So, tell me something that you love doing or enjoy, right? And it could even be gaming. So let's, if, you know, if we talk about a younger demographic, gaming could be something they love. So it's like, okay, let's just say Grand Theft Auto, they play it all the time. Could you tell me, you know, everything about Grand Theft Auto? And they'll probably reel loads of stuff off. It's, oh, so you're confident in talking about something that you know. And it's like, you know, or if they know about football, they could confidently tell you, all of the things they know about football and what they enjoy about football and things like that. So, you know, once you recognize that confidence, it's like, that, you know, you can be confident in different things, but it's not just like this broad thing. Oh, I'm not confident. You know, if you kind of recognize, okay, well, I'm not confident in social situations. I'm not confident with maybe going and speaking to like the opposite member of the, you know, or somebody I fancy, for example, 
but I am confident with, with my abilities or I am confident with confident with my work. I am. And do you know what I mean? So getting people to recognize the things that they're slightly confident in, and then you can almost use that, that as a blueprint. Then it's like, well, how did I get confident in that? And comes back to what you said. Then it's like, you know, the proof is in the pudding almost, yeah. you know, if you've gone and done something and the world didn't end. Okay, great. We, you can, you can build on that. Um, yeah, because I feel like we can shut ourselves off to those things. Glass ceilings. Yeah, and because like, oh, you get a bit anxious about something new or the unknown of something and then you shut yourself off to it and you do it and you're like, oh, why was I so anxious about that? I bloody loved it. It's always whatever. worse in your head as well. Yeah, it? 100%. Like it's like a demon. that like. You, but then I think we're our own worst enemy in that sense because you can shut, shut down and shut off so many opportunities, mm. so many things that you could actually love or enjoy or could be really successful in something because you're like, afraid of being vulnerable by not being confident or not knowing about certain certain things it's absolutely yeah. a vicious cycle as well it is yeah because it's... as soon as you're not as soon as you're not confident to do something and you don't do it then you lose opportunities to become more confident mm. and then it just spirals mm. and goes down there's a, a video i seen uh, matthew mcconaughey sharing on social media a couple of weeks or a couple of months back and uh he, i think he was talking about his friend grandfather or something and uh he said he um he, you know, he lived till he was like in his nineties or something like that. And he said he always remembered him saying something along the lines of, um, you know, I, in my life, I've had many crises and most of them never happened. And, you know, and he kind of, it, it does, it encapsulates, like you said, that mentality of like, fuck, the world's going to end, you yeah. know, mm-hmm. and, you know, we, we make ourselves anxious about certain things and a lot of it won't actually come to pass. Or if it does, it won't be as bad as, um, as we think. And, you know, it's always worth mentioning as well, like rock bottom. If somebody feels like they're at rock bottom, you know, the way to look at it then is, okay, well, the only way is up. If this is what rock bottom is for me, the only play I, way I can go right now is up. And, you know, I think because when we get into that position where we feel like, oh shit, this is literally like I'm at rock bottom right now. You know, it's hard to get out of that, but I think just sort of reassuring ourselves that, okay, well, if if I'm saying this is rock bottom, that means that the only way I can go from here is is up. And there's quite like something reassuring in that as well. Um, yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but then I think, yeah. <laughs> he did a me. No, he did. No, I think that's really interesting. Though, the rock bottom, no, the rock bottom thing is good though. Because um, like what... Can you speak about an experience that has been your rock bottom? And then how, if someone else was listening to this, there could really like what word I'm looking for hang on take use from Re- resonate resonate we'll cut oh, that bit out no we that could really resonate with you and be like okay no I, I'm at rock bottom or I've been there what how do you get out of it do you know what I mean and I know you're saying like we've just spoke about the only way is that but sometimes you can't really see no, it some yeah. people you can't see getting out of that dark place yeah it's almost like you know Rock bottom is like if you fall into a pit, it's like you can't see what the landscape around the pit looks like. Do you know what I mean? All mm-hmm. you can see are the walls of the hole that you've fallen into sort of thing. And um yeah, I always say like, you know, self-talk, I'll come on to my rock bottom in a sec, but the self-talk, it's if we keep saying to ourselves when we're in this pit, in this low place, fuck, I've messed everything up. I'm, you know, in this really low place. Like I'm never going to come out of this. Everybody hates me, whatever it is, you know. If we keep feeding that wolf in our brain, all we're doing is like picking up the shovel, metaphorical shovel, and just digging our metaphorical pits even yeah. deeper. Um, you know, and, and I re- did this very much myself where I just kind of, 
was very just beating myself up and I, I had to go right I need to put this shovel down so my rock bottom um back in 2015 I was running a business I had it set up a tattoo studio at the age of 19 um had that running for about two years so it's me and my business partner we had two people working there plus two apprentices and you know for somebody I, I was bullied in school for probably about two years so my self-confidence self-worth all that kind of stuff was was really really low for a long time and I, I ended up setting up this business, literally never come from money or anything. So we didn't even have a penny to our name, like just before we managed to secure like 6,000 funding from a couple of play people. Um, but it was, it, it, what, when, when we set it up for the first time in my life, I was like, fuck, I'm actually really proud of myself, you know, like I've achieved something that, you know, I didn't think was possible. My family didn't think was possible. My friends didn't think were possible. And it was, it wasn't like a, ah, fuck you, like, look, look yeah. what I've done. It wasn't like that. That it, There was part of that, you know, because my friends, they... <laughs> like a small the back of your head, you yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, just like <laughs> But, yeah, my, um, yeah, my friends, like, laughed me out of the house when I was talking about it a few weeks before we set it up. So when I did it, I was like, you know, yeah, fuck it, you know, this, this felt good. But also just because of the self-confidence thing, I was like, shit, this is something that a lot of people my age have, have never done. Um, but anyway, it was great initially, but after about a year, me and my, you know, business partner, we were like loads of stuff going on. Like we had you know, arguments and things like that. I just got into a really low place mentally because of everything that was going on within the business. And, um, yeah, there was like, you know, money going missing and things like that. It was just, it became like a, a just a really toxic environment. Um, and I didn't realize how much of a low place I was in. I really didn't realize. Um, and I always say it felt like I was just, you know, when you're in the car and you're driving through the mist, you can't see where the next turning is. You're just like, oh, fuck, that's my turn. You know, you're making these like, last minute. You're decisions. reactive instead yeah. of proactive yeah. as well. Yeah, perfect. That's, you know, very much reactive, just like reacting to a situation or making decisions in the moment, not really thinking about. How you surviving, you're basically surviving, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And uh, yeah, got to a really low place and... I knew that, you know, the bit, the, the guys who I was working with and stuff, they were going to go elsewhere and set up another business. Um, so the, you know, I think 20 year old at this time or 20 or 21 year old at this point, you know, the, the ego thing was there. I'm like, fuck, I, I don't want to be, I don't want to end up in loads of debt, you know, cause I'd seen my, uh, you know, parents struggling with that kind of stuff. So I was like, I don't want to end up in debt. That's like, you know, one of the worst things that could happen. And then, um, uh, I realised actually that it's not, you know, but yeah, <laughs> realised that it was 20 a, year old you yeah. did. <laughs> and it also, I was like, fuck, I don't want to be seen as a failure. So all this stuff was going on in my head. And because I couldn't see another way out of it, because I was like, you know, I don't want all this to happen. I ended up selling drugs for not even for a long time, really. I did it for probably like three months or a little bit longer, maybe. And that for, for me, that was my sort of way of having some money put aside so when they do go elsewhere and whatever, if they, you know, like just leave the business, I'm not going to end up in loads of debt and all that kind of stuff. If I'd actually sat there and worked there logically, didn't really stand to lose that much. You know, I really didn't. It wouldn't have been the end of the world. But at that point, like I said, I didn't, didn't see it out. Tunnel vision. Couldn't, yeah. Couldn't, yeah, couldn't see the way out. So, yeah, end up doing that. And I actually, I ended up leaving the business in the end because I was like, you know, when I was going on nights out and stuff, I was like doing it myself as well. I hate, and I actually, I never liked it, hated it. Um, and I was like, I don't like this person that I am right now. And p- people do say to me, they're like, do you feel like you were on a bad road? And I'm like, 
no, I was like making bad decisions, but I actually, I ended up leaving the business, got a job in Admiral. And for the, after a couple of days, I was like, fuck, I feel much better already. I felt like this weight was lifted off my shoulders because I was in a less toxic, well, a non-toxic environment. I was around people then. And I was like, fuck it. All these people are so positive, but it's just, they were just normal people, you know? Yeah. Just it's just different to the environment you'd been used to. Yeah. And, and it was really like, I, I started to come out of that shell I was in almost, um, but it was at that point, like I said, a couple of weeks after I left the business, I was like, right, I'm just getting rid of the last kind of bit of stuff I've got on me here because I don't like being this person. Um, yeah, I don't like who I'm become, you know, who was making me and stuff. So I was trying to get rid of the last bit and I ended up getting caught whilst doing that. Um, and, and you know, what? I, it's, it was a bit of a sod's law thing, but uh, I'm glad that it happened. I'm glad that it happened because, and, you know, I learned so much from that experience. Post-traumatic growth. Ooh. Yeah, we've mm. learned a lot about this is, it. This is people go two yeah. one of two ways. Yeah, obviously yeah. you've got post traumatic stress, post traumatic growth. Mm. Yeah. Carry on. Sorry, yeah. we no, did interrupt. <laughs> yeah, um, but that was it. I got caught, and I was just like, I, you know, I got arrested. I was in the cell for like three, what two days? Is that? I think it's ten o'clock Saturday night until three p.m. Monday afternoon because they like took me straight to court and things. And then I was, um, it was a couple of weeks then before I had to go to court again, and. Yeah, basically, I ended up like going to prison then for, well, two years, four months they gave me. And I was inside for nine months. Plus then like they do like the home, the home detention thing and stuff. Um, but I remember I, that four weeks in between getting caught and going to prison, I was drinking most days of the week. And, and I didn't, cause I was quite young. I was actually drinking quite a few days a week while I had the business as well. And I put it down to, oh, well, I'm, you know, I'm 19, yeah. 20, you know, I'm, business, I'm socializing, yeah. I'm making it. Like, yeah. Yeah. Oh no, it was 100%. You strip that all back, place. don't you? And then you're like, oh shit, this is a fucking problem. Yeah. I was, I, the only looking back, I can see it, you know, I was like justifying it, but it was, oh, no, it was Wednesday, you know, Wednesday student night and Thursday's karaoke and <laughs> yeah. Thursday student night you know, as well. <laughs> you know, Friday's a good night out, you know, Saturday, well, Sunday, Saturday, Saturday. Yeah, and Sunday, we're getting over Monday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that, and that was it, you know, and I, I was doing that in between, you know, going to prison as well. Like, and I, and I remember I was literally going to the pub having like, you know, having two or three beers and then driving home. And I was, I was like, literally, I, I thought, right, I'll do, I'll have two beers and then I can drive home, you know, just because that's like the, I'll be okay off that. I was, do you know, when I'm looking back, I'm like, what a fucking idiot. Like, what was I doing? Um, but I was in this really, really low place and it was, it took for me to kind of, to do all of that and then to look back whilst I was sitting in a prison cell and go like, that was, who the fuck was that person that you were, you were like, um, and yeah, it was like I said, when I was sitting there, you know, in the prison cell, I went, Oh my God, like I've literally, I've fucked everything up. Never going to come back from this. And the predominant thoughts for quite a few weeks, I'd say were, you know, I messed everything up. Everyone's going to think I'm a scumbag. Everyone's going to think I'm going to think I'm a failure. Everyone's going to think, uh, whatever, like, you know, the, the perspectives of other people, but also my own self-worth was down there. And also the things that I, I thought it was going to inhibit me from doing. So going to Australia and American places like that. But, you know, like I said, after a while, I kind of realized, I thought, well, I've fallen into this pit right now. What, you know, jumped into the, into this, <laughs> this pit. And if I'm letting these thoughts, be the main or the predominant thoughts that are going on right now, then that is just going to end up defining my life because I'm just digging this hole even deeper. You know, I'm digging this hole in even deeper. So I thought, let's, let's just look at this in a different way. I thought, right, yeah, I'm in a shit place, but again, rock bottom. If I'm at rock bottom right now, the only place I can go is up. So I thought, I'm just going to try and be 
1% better than I was yesterday and just keep repeating that over and over or just learn one new thing every day that I didn't know yesterday and just keep repeating that over and over. Um, you know, and just trust that in six months time, there might be no, there might not be no difference, but in five years time, 10 years time, those differences are going to be monumental. And I think anybody who listening, listen to this, who is thinks like, fuck, I don't know where I'm going to go from here. I don't know how I can, I'm going to see a way out of this or, or whatever, you know, time as a way of, and I know people say time's a great healer. It really is, you know, but it, we've just got to let time do our th- do its thing when we make positive steps or positive actions, you know? So it's like, if you go to the gym once, you're not going to get big muscles, you know, a big bum or big abs <laughs> or whatever. Do you know what I mean? It's the continuation of a positive act over time that ends up breeding results or breeding success in different ways. So I thought, well, if I'm reading a bit of a book or if I'm doing some, a bit of a workout or if I'm I don't meditating or, you know, journaling and, you know, whatever it is, like it's, if I do it once, it might help in the moment, but it's doing these different things over and over, once you figure out what does work for you, that's what's going to breed this this different person, this different, um, yeah, different mindset and mentality and things like that, and, and just letting time, you know, sort of do its thing as well. Um, I think I read something that you'd said when you were in that position that you used every day as a day to grow. I think that's pretty epic, really, because like, yeah, yeah, you could be in, you were in a position where you could have, like you said, Gwen, you can go either one or two ways. You can either just self-pity like oh feel sorry for yourself and like whatever or other hand you'd be like well it is what it is i'm in the scenario like you're saying like is this the result of my future well it will be if i feel sorry for myself but yeah. i i've got to can take complete accountability mm. of, of myself and what i want my future to look like 100 percent, yeah and it's um yeah when, you, when you're in a situation like that as well like i said it's very difficult to see the woods through the mm. is it woods, woods through the trees is that the expression yeah. i think it is yeah sounds about right we'll yeah. go with that <laughs> we'll go with it. Yeah. Go with it um yeah it's very difficult to see the woods through the trees then but like i think yeah recognizing or, or, or i always talk about optimism so i don't say po- positivity just because like you know being toxically positive is kind of can be quite dest- destructive um but optimistic, I think we can all be optimists or try to be optimistic, sorry, you know, in different situations. Um, Because you can, if you're in like this really shit place, mentally, physically, literally, whatever it is, you can say, do you know what? Accept it. This is a bad place right now. This isn't ideal. But if I, you know, or or I know it's going to be better at some point, I I know that at some point I'm going to look back on this and I'm going to, feel better about it, or I'm going to have learned from it, or I'm going to grow from it, I'm going to be in a different place, and, and just holding out that sense of hope. Because even though you don't know the way to this place you want to be, I think just knowing that there is a place that you're going to be where, you know, mentally, spiritually, physically, where, where it was going to be much better, knowing that place exists is the important thing, I think. Because then you're just telling, you're giving your brain almost, and, and you know, you, glimmer of hope yeah you get mm. glimmer of hopes which can lower the stress and the anxiety in the moment and then your brain has got this magic way i think of trying to find that magic place it's like okay we know this place exists so now we're going to look for it i think you know in your gut as well like i think you know in your gut you're like i know that i can get myself out of this or i know that i've got the potential to be you know a better person or you know there is something out there for me and i think you like you said you gotta trust it mm. i love the word optimism Mm. so much i've got perspective and optimism <laughs> perspective. tattooed like that but um it's, it's something i've learned over the last year 
is so important because it's not it's not even necessarily like having to be positive all the time like perspective man y- yeah <laughs> perspective <laughs> uh but like because positivity positivity i think can, <laughs> <laughs> i don't know That's a <laughs> positivity is something that can actually be quite fake because it's not like I don't think people should look at a situation and be like, oh, right, okay, let's be positive about this yeah. because that's not positive because mm. you're, you're sat there rolling your eyes about it, you know? Whereas optimism is like, okay, I'm accepting this is not an ideal scenario. It's not an ideal situation, but we're here. Mm. It's almost then part of it is taking responsibility, which is really important in itself. And then being like, okay, optimism, right? What can we learn from this? There's probably an opportunity to grow. One of my favorite books that I've read recently is The Obstacle is the Way. Mm. It's brilliant like it literally just reframes everything and everything that i've sort of started to learn it just like solidifies it and i'm like yeah actually look for the obstacle there's opportunity to grow in everything and i think that's what like optimism yeah. is in as a word yeah I, and you know yeah, i love what you said there actually that's a big uh, a big thing for me is like um there's a quote i always sort of reference i think yeah a quote i always say um it's, uh, I've lost, I've actually lost it. Great chord. I, know, great. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> I've lost it. Um, Take your time. Uh, the, the cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. So Ooh, wow. that Nice. Is, I love that. Yeah. That's my next tattoo. Yeah, there we are. <laughs> yeah. The cave you fear to enter holds the treasure you seek. And, and it very much ties in with what you've said that the obstacle is the way, you know, leaning into that thing that scares you or is challenging or, you know, yeah, what, what, you know, if it just feels, if, if there's a resistance there or if, there, or if there's a, yeah, if it feels like friction, friction, friction. Yeah, if the, you know, if it feels like that, there's going to be, like you said, some form of growth on the other side of it. And I actually, probably the last couple of years, I've I've always like leaned into that. So if this uh, there's something I go, oh, I don't like that, I'm, and there's there's this other part of my brain now, which I think I've just activated that part of my brain so much now. It's just like you know we're going to do that, yeah, right? Yeah, you know, yeah. There's this part Tell of me that's just like, yourself. oh, we don't want to do that. But then the other part of me is like, do you it, fucking you know fucking it. We're going to know <laughs> yeah. that it's going to be good, <laughs> basically. No, 100%. Like, even like individually this year, like, God, I've had to rely on perspective so much because like the outside looking in, people be like, oh God, that's shit or this and that. And people are like, why don't you view that as shit? And it's Drives funny. Insane. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When it's, people say that, then yeah. you carry on. <laughs> Sorry, it's angered it's, me. It's okay. You can be angered. Um, <laughs> it's funny how usually, obviously, with some tough stuff, you wouldn't change it. And like things that I've been through through life, and especially if I use the last year as an example, like the back of three operations. <laughs> and I'm like, I will. And I think the personal growth in me, I wouldn't change this negative or tough stuff because it's allowed me to grow in different areas. And again, perspective. And I think how... I am, we say a lot in this podcast, year ago me or two year ago me would be, would cope with this differently and be, and is a completely different person. Yeah. Um, and I think when we, I said earlier that post-traumatic growth, I think is massive because that's when you learn who you truly are. That's where you really learn your values uh, and what you want out of life. Mm. And, um, yeah, I just think that, yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that, but, but yeah, in- I just, I just like that. Interestingly on that, because of the society we live in where things are so easy, you, you, can get something that you like literally can order at 8am on amazon and get to the same day like mm. yeah. things are so easy we get things given to us on a plate we don't really have to fight for anything it's just like you can't you can't say certain things because someone might be offended it's this that and the other everything is so so easy i forgot i've done a you now and i've forgotten i don't know where you're going with that either. no i do know it was a really I good really point don't know where you're going with oh now it's hurting my brain to think about <laughs> do you want to catch you to take us well, both what was i saying <laughs> there's um i remember go on right so <laughs> Basically, uh, you, <laughs> you forget. 
actually no I do remember I do let me just talk and I'll remember okay so basically because things are so easy not <laughs> shut up not many people actually get that I've discovered who I really am because the opportunity to do hard things is harder to take mm. so things like getting in the seat when you really don't want to get in the seat going through surgeries going through don't speak to me like that um, going through really tough rehab things like that people don't have those sorts of opportunities to grow mm. and then they never really fully become the person that they could be because they've not been through those hard things mm. but then as a result they don't choose the hard option either so yes. it's like a vicious cycle yes thank you I'm, yeah. Yeah, got there got there in the end uh, our, our brains are you know sort of like sort of yeah hardwired to seek out comfort to seek out safety to seek you know to that kind of stuff and i think that is why you know the world now and consumerism is very much sort of uh trying to make things easier for us trying to make things more comfortable for us you know like just and, and we buy into all of that like you said but i think you know for example it's easier to sit with a heated blanket in a warm house watching Netflix and eating food, which don't get me wrong, I absolutely love doing. Time's not the blankets. Yeah, not the heated blankets. You know, but it's, it's easier and more attractive to do that from our, you know, in terms of our brain and how we view it than it is to just go, fuck, it's snowing outside. I'm going for a run. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like that is like the challenging thing. But like you said, you, you know, our, once we go and do that, it's like, initially it might be like, oh, I really don't want to go out there because it's cold or it's wet or it's windy or whatever. But once you go and do it, you'll feel great for having achieved that particular, you know, that sort of thing. And also I think there's a part of it, which, you know, because you know, a lot of people would look at that and go, fuck, that's so stupid. Like, why are yeah. you doing that? You know, <laughs> fucking idiot. yeah, like that you, you almost know people are looking at that thinking that's stupid, but I feel like there's an extra load of dopamine you get from, from others who've done like, that. Do things that other people won't do. 100%. Yeah, 100%. That, that, that's a big thing for me. I, like barefoot running, like I've done loads of barefoot running. Shut up. Yeah, yeah. I've, um, so I've done a 30 miler barefoot. We haven't even got into ultramarathons yet. No, I know. Yeah, There's yeah. so many more things to do. <laughs> yeah, yeah I, barefoot running, that was very much the thing. I was like, fuck it, I'm just going to go for, you know, yeah. a barefoot run. And I started with a 5k, then I did a 10k, then I did... Do you um, stand on anything, sharp? Yeah, it does hurt, mine. It, 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 there's a bit, it's it's tough I think to be barefoot, I do. Like, if I can be barefoot, I can't. Like, in the gym, I was like, where's shoes in my garden? No, I prefer being barefoot. I don't know what it is. It's just like it. Yeah, it, it's, it's really, I mean, without going into the whole sort of, a lot of people go into the whole, like, you know, sort of hippie, hippie dippy side of it or whatever, it's connected to the earth, right? I, I actually, I, I do believe in that side of things as well. But it's like, I, I mean, you just, it, it adds that extra layer of challenge. That's what I enjoy about it. When you go for a run barefoot, it adds that extra layer of challenge. So I ended up doing, like I said, half marathon. And then I thought, right, well, I'm not barefoot. Barefoot, yeah. But Flipping, I, well, I, I did 30 miles barefoot in the end as well. I, I skipped the marathon because I thought, right, if I'm running that far barefoot, I'm doing an ultra barefoot. So I ended up just skipping the marathon distance and going to 30 miles barefoot. Um, but I, I did a 5k barefoot on the snow and the ice and stuff as well. That was quite tough. Um, mm. But like, although I guess you run faster because like every time my feet are on the yeah. ground, it's cold. <laughs> oh my god! And PB like I had I had frost nip actually after I didn't well, even I'm know surprised. I didn't know frost nip was a thing. Right? I thought I had frost bite, and then I What's was the like, difference? "What's the difference?" So frost nip. Is like I, I thought I, you meant your nips are fucking frosted. No. <laughs> and then no. I was like, I'm always talking about it. So I was like, I don't think it's more Yeah, this. it's like a precursor to frostbite, I think. So like God. frostbite, you'd have to be, you know, trapped up a mountain sort of thing to be yeah. to get frostbite. Whereas frost nip, 
it's telling you like you're about to get it but i'm coming for you kind of vibe. yeah i think it can damage the nerves and stuff like Healthy. that though you've got to watch it a little bit but i was literally i go home and i was like how the fuck can i, I so he said don't put them in hot water or anything so he like, said like put socks on so i literally socks and socks on i had my feet under the blankets and and they were just they were tingling it was a horrible feeling um but yeah anyway that was the the barefoot journey but um yeah, that that's something like like seeking out those things that people think are probably quite stupid to do. I quite like doing that stuff. I think it's you like know? you're just challenging yourself of how what how dark place can I go to? Like, how can I really like delve into that part of my brain that no many that many people are actually quite scared to get into or don't even want to you know put your foot around. Like, you I think I can understand how that can be quite addictive in a sense to be like, yeah. I love that. I I want to see how far I can go. There, there's, do you know what the um. It's quite a scary thought, actually, right? Because if you say to somebody, let's say they're going to do an ultramarathon, and you say, look, you know, there's a chance you're going to get to the pain cave, which is this place that people try and avoid. Uh, and Courtney DeWalt, she, she's one of the top ultra runners in the world. And she said that, you know, she actually looks at the pain cave now as a place to, like, she can't wait to go to, because that is what most people who do these longer distances or crazy challenges actually look, f- not look forward to, but they look forward to the growth that comes from it. And if you say to somebody who's going on a journey like that, you're not going to be the same person as you were when you went out on that trail and you're going to come back a different person. You know, it's quite a scary thought actually to think, but that is very much the, the truth of it because once you go to those dark places in your mind, you learn so much about yourself. And I think it's one of the best things that, you know, I, I, yeah, one of the best sort of ways to grow, you know, not necessarily running like an ultra marathon, but prolonged or, or just prolonged or strenuous challenges, you know, that really, really test you to that point. Be like, I can't go any further. I can't go any further. And then this little part of you just says, a little bit more, yeah. a little okay. bit further, a yeah. little bit more. And yeah, I, I love that. Now it's, um, yeah, every time I've done an ultra, I've had some really good realizations about myself and my life and things like that. And the hundred miler that I did back in June, it was the third attempt. We we did it, uh, me and Frankie. So she'd be good for you to come on. Actually, she's brilliant. And um, good, did you post on them? Is this good dark hair? Yeah, did you, did yeah. you raise money together? That was it. Yeah, seen that. yeah. Um, so we um, we were really successful fundraiser. Actually, we was did this it like for seven grand or something. Yeah, yeah, nice. about, about that. Yeah. And so we, we did that for a mental health um, charity. And, you know, we went out and there was like a lot of like, I don't want to say faff, but there was a lot of faff about it. You know, we had like the, you know, a documentary made out of it and stuff like that. It was really, it was really good. It was really exciting. But like, you know, we went out and I did 70 miles. Frankie did 65. She had to stop because of her knee. I stopped because like my legs literally just gave way and I was like shivering violently and stuff. It was quite dodgy. But I went back out and finished <laughs> it. Then. Great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I went back out then and finished it so you over. You just haven't just run the 70 miles when I was dodgy. I'm fucking shaking. <laughs> I, oh, well, I was literally, it was like, I, my muscles were spasming. I literally couldn't even walk in the end. And it was, uh, yeah, it was, it was really sketchy. But that was, um, we started in Bath and we were running back to Swansea and I got as far as Cowbridge and Frankie got, I think, yeah, around about the same distance then. But I went back out and finished it over the next two days. But it was, it was that one that beat me. It was that one that beat me. So I... Because you wanted to do it in one hit? Is that what you mean? Yeah, in one hit. So I wanted to do one one thing. And I, like that was the first challenge that had beat me. So, you know, because I was like, I, I got into this sort of habit of, 
you know, well, hang on, you've you've done this now. And what else can you do? Oh, you've done that. Okay, what else can you do? And then it was like, oh, here's the physical limit or what was seems like the physical limit. And it really, really knocked my confidence in that area for a long time to the point where I actually, I think I did the 30 mile barefoot after that, but I didn't touch any ultramarathons or any other distances for a while. Um, and then this year just, well, yeah, start of this year, I kind of realized, I thought I've been going up distances when, when it comes to ultras. And then I went for the hundred and because that knocked me back, there was this part of me, which was like, oh, well, the next distance you've got to go for is a hundred again, mm-hmm. but you haven't gone, I, you know, I thought, no, you need to go back to the drawing board here. Start by running a marathon or, a, you know, a 30 miler, 35 miler or 40 miler and get that confidence back within your ability to to do these distances. So that's what I did. I went out and did, a th- um, I went to do a marathon. Me and uh, one of my friends, we ended up running 30 miles because we just felt great at 21. We were like, fuck it, let's do an ultra. <laughs> we literally decided <laughs> on the job. This blows my mind when people talk about marathon running like this because I'm not being funny. <laughs> breath walking up the stairs. <laughs> like, I, I run like a Bronco, which is 1,200 metres. <laughs> Actually, can't physically run any further and then i realized that the split pace for like a kilometer that people are running on these runs is faster than what i've just run <laughs> 1.2 gwen i am st- like i just said yeah I know. Up these studio stairs it was the top and i'm on breath i'm like how am i ever gonna run again <laughs> like that is, and, and is that what got you into the ultra running then is is it because you were like okay, i can do more more and more or did you plan to be in a position where you were like, oh, I'm going to end up being an ultra runner. Does that make sense? Like, what got, what made you want to do it? I didn't know it existed, you know, until 2000, probably 2019. I was, like I said, I was doing halves, uh, 10Ks, 5Ks, half marathons. My auntie used to just sign me up to shit and I'd turn up <laughs> to it, like, literally. And I, nine times out of 10, I was hungover or still drunk, you know? Um, and I did that loads of times. Uh, but I, I, you know, I always had like a bit of a natural talent to run in, I think, in that respect. But I, you know, I enjoyed it as well. I always used that as my go-to sort of activity if I wanted to get out of my own head and, and just sort of go for it. Um, but yeah, I, I never thought I could do a marathon until 2019. Um, and then David Goggins. So David Goggins was the biggest inspiration in terms of me doing those sorts of things because, you know, it got me questioning, like, why the fuck do I think I can't do a marathon? And then signed up for two in a month, went, did the first one. And it was horrible, you know, but when I got to the end of it, I went, oh my God, I, I've actually done it. And then I went back out two weeks later at the other one I'd signed up for and I shaved off 35 minutes and it was double 35 the- 35 minutes? Yeah, but it was double the elevation, same heat and on a trail. Uh, so I was like, fuck, well, I've, you know, I felt much better and I felt much better finishing it. So I thought well, the only thing that's changed, well, two things that have changed. One was I took supplies with me the second time. So I, it, you know, helped me fuel and, and things like that on it. Uh, but the other thing that changed was I knew I could do it. So my mentality going into it had changed. So then I thought, well, what else? And and that was where, what led me onto it. Then I just went up and up and up from there. But, um, but yeah, no, the second time I tried that hundred was in May of this year. I tried the same route. So I went uh, back up to Bath. I stayed in a hostel, which was a fucking stupid idea. Yeah, why did you not get yourself a nice Airbnb or something? <laughs> I was being tight. I was being, I thought, well, it's only me staying there. I it, was like, it was like 150 quid for the night or something. I think it was quite, quite the thing. You so could I, have got a nice Airbnb say, for that. What? I didn't even look at Airbnb, actually. Airbnb is brilliant. I didn't even look. It if was you want like, to sponsor this podcast. <laughs> it was 150, I think, minimum for a hotel. But the hostel was like 20 quid. Do you oh, know what I mean? Oh, I thought yeah. you said you stayed in a oh, no, Yeah, if you paid 150 no, pounds for a hostel. You've been mugged right off much. <laughs> oh, no. That, yeah, it was 20 quid, I think it was, or something. So I was like, and I thought, oh, do you know what? 
fucking I'm going to stay in there. But I literally had like, I, I, I think I had like an hour's sleep, right? Oh, it, was, no. it was terrible. I actually, some fucking guy, he's walking up to there at like three in the morning with a suitcase being loud as hell with his, li- his light on. I'm looking at him. I'm like, dude, I'm, I'm running after marathon. In an hour. <laughs> in an hour. So I was like, you know what? Fuck this. And I got up, I got my stuff. I jumped in the river because I was doing the, uh, obviously the daily dips. Yeah. So I thought, right, I'll get the daily dip done. Jumped in the river, add my stuff on, bosh. And I was, I was away to go. Um, but I had like 10 kilos worth of supplies because I was literally, ca- I was supporting myself, you know, so I had to have everything on me. Um, so I got 50 miles in. I had to like ring one of my mates to come and get the bag off me because it was absolutely just ruining my lower back and my shoulders and stuff. So he got that off me. I switched it up for a, like a lighter bag. Uh, and I think I got to, I, I got to 70 miles and I was like, I pushed past that point. So I was like, fuck yeah, I've got past that point that broke me, Cowbridge. It was literally, that was the, because it was like, I had PTSD of Cowbridge. <laughs> well, you know? Sunday lunch, nah, I'm going down there. Yeah, honestly, didn't even want to drive past it, you know. But uh, I got past it and I went, right, great. But then 72 miles, I was like, oh, here we go. Because it was, it got really cold again, like it did the two years prior. And, uh, you know, my muscles started seizing up. I got really tired and stuff. And, you know, everybody said to me, because I had a good support crew at that point, they were like, doing a just, you said, jump, jump in a van, chuck some stuff and you and try and have a kip. I went, fuck it. Yeah. I might as well give it a go. So I had like a 20 minute kip and this is what fuck, fucked me up last time. Uh, but I somehow like my legs were so like, I, I couldn't even, my, you know, couldn't even like move them properly. And one of the guys was like, oh, you know, give me your hand. I'll help you out. I went, no, no, I got to do this myself. So I wormed my way out of the van, shook my legs off, got them going again. And I started running and I started feeling in a much better place. But this was like five in the morning in the middle of butt fuck nowhere. So what time did you start? <laughs> four, five in the morning. So I was like 24, we 20, better part of 24 hours in. Or 20, oh, so yeah, 24 hours in at that point, I think. Um, but oh I, I, my I, God. I, I started, I run like another three miles. And all those three miles in my head, I was like, well, I'm starting to feel better, but I was rationalizing it. And I'd, I'd listened to David Goggins' new book, prior to it, prior to doing this run. And it said, if you're going to quit, do it when you're in a better place. Don't do it when you're you, you, in the pain cave. That's when you need to push through. But I started feeling in this better place. And in my head, I was like, right, it's the middle of the, early hours of the morning. I'm in the middle of nowhere. Probably most of the stuff that you could get supplies from is not going to be open the support crew that came, they didn't sign up to be there all night. They came to support a little bit. They weren't going to be able to stay all night because they had to go to work the next day and stuff, you know, or in a couple of hours. So I thought, you're going to be on your own in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of early hours of the morning and stuff. I thought, this isn't sensible. And I I thought, well, I've already broke past where I was before. So I I said to uh, people in the car, I was like, I'm going to do one more mile, get to 75 and then I'm calling it a day. And they went, no, no, come on, keep going now. You're going to regret it. I went, no, no. 75, I'm done. I'm I'm stopping. And they went, all right, fair enough. But because I consciously made the decision to stop then, I got that confidence back that I lost two years earlier. Who's so, on your terms? On my terms, yeah. And straight away, it might even be in the same night, I think the same night or the next day, I said, I was like, I'm going to go up. I th- yeah, same night. I said, in about six or eight weeks time, I'm going to go back out again and I'm going to try the 100 again. Um, do you want to try 80 or 85 <laughs> yeah. like build up the progression I thought fuck it you know if I go <laughs> that far I might as well do the full thing but it, one of my mates said just do laps of Swansea Bay you know when you do that and I went yeah sound so 
did that and I did a fundraiser again for that again you know really really successful one one of my mates uh you know to a charity that was close to you know him and his partner's heart um so yeah you know I, I did it and the support and the, the everything that happened on the day was just fantastic but yeah it was super super hard like my legs were gone 20 miles in my I felt sick as a dog 30 miles in and just like my brain was really tired from low glucose and the heat um you know, it was like 30 degrees on this day but I, I, by this point, I knew it comes in waves, you know, and yeah, I like between 40 and 45 miles in then up to 85, I was just fucking going for it. Like, you know, a, a few people came to meet me 70 odd miles in. And run with you? And, oh yeah, there people running all through the day in fairness, but um, like there was a couple of, you know, good, good few of my mates came when they knew this is where he's he's stopped before. So they wanted to be there to try and Make get sure me through stop. that. And they all said, you know, they were like, fucking hell, there's no point in us even turning up. They said, you're just, you're on one. Like, you know what I mean, <laughs> I was like, yeah, I was just like a demon at that point. I was going for it. Um, but yeah, you know, point I was going to make with it is alert that the whole process of failing twice before, failing on my own terms the second time and then getting it the third time. You know, it was, it was just incredible. And there were so many lessons I learned from it. And it was like a lot of emotion as well. So as soon as I hit the little, um, I think they like, a couple of the guys from the stipping group, they made like this, um, it was like a tin, a tin, uh, like, foil, a, like, a, foil. like a finishing line. Finish line, yeah, it was like a foil finish line, but they made it 200 yards too bloody soon or something. <laughs> so I was like, point fucking two. They were like, <laughs> they were like, oh no. Um, you know, so I, I, I carried on running. And as soon as I hit it on my watch then, I just burst out crying. I was just like full of emotion and stuff like that. And for a couple of days after as well, I was just super, super emotional. Probably because I was knackered and mm. just the calories I burned was just mental. So how much did you burn? My watch said sixteen thousand. Oh, that's calories. I'm, I'm sorry, sorry. that's absolutely <laughs> unbelievable. Sixteen thousand. What? Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. It and was, I suppose you've battled for all that time because you said like you failed two times before. You're like, you were so determined to get it done. So no wonder you're bloody emotional. Yeah. That's right for you. I know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was tough. But they said, going back to what we were saying before, it's like the doing something like that or doing something that's hard, you know, it doesn't have to be physically hard. It could just be, you know, something that's hard for, you know, somebody, I don't know, just, you know, set up a business, maybe there's, there's different things, you know, different levels of difficulty and challenge and things. And, you know, I think if it's super meaningful to you, um, you know, and, or the, you know, it's, there's a degree of challenge to it. Once you overcome that, however it looks, you know, you're going to be proud of yourself. So like you said, it's going to build up that self-confidence. It's going to build up your own self-belief as well. So the, how you view yourself, which then, you know, potentially or more than likely is going to give you a bit of a, you know, it's going to spur you on to do more positive Mom- things in your momentum life. Momentum is the word that <laughs> yeah. makes me think but of. Yeah. I think as well, I'm guessing the per- like the person you were the first time you tried that hundred and mm. and failed, the person you were then, the person you are now. I can bet you was a, two completely different people. So I'm suppose would you change that failure? Oh no, no I, I wouldn't. You know, I, I wouldn't change any failures. I wouldn't change any. Um, anything any sort of mistakes like I, I don't yeah any setbacks i don't regret any anything in my life i think um paves the way doesn't it yeah you know if we if we regret something it's almost um it, you know it, it, it can hold us back i think i always say you know we can look at two uh, things or situations or decisions we make as anchors 
or step ladders, you know? If there's an anchor, it's going to hold us down. It's going to weigh us down and make us feel shit about ourselves or whatever. Whereas if you look at it as a step ladder or a lesson, it's going to be something that can springboard you to the next stage or the next level. And it's going to make you better. It's going to make you more informed. It's going to make you, uh, you know, a nicer person or better in a relationship or whatever it is. But if we choose to just look at things as a, you know, in regret, all that that's going to do is just create this internal resistance and barrier, you know, within ourselves. And I just think, yeah, I, you know, I don't, even though there's things I would, in a way, it'd be nice to change them. Uh, you know, I don't regret them because it's made me like, you know, the person I am now and sort of the, yeah, have the mindset and stuff that I've got now. So yeah, in, a, in that sense, I wouldn't change, I wouldn't change stuff. Mm. I want to chat all day. <laughs> unfortunately, we can't. I've got this conversation. I've literally had like ping, ping in my brain, and I want to bring it up. But unfortunately, we haven't got all day. We've got a closing tradition on this podcast. Kind of stole it from Stephen Bartlett, but we've changed it. A bit well, a bit. we borrowed. An we lent idea, it. But... Yeah, we lent it. Uh, basically, where the previous guest leaves a question for the next guest. Mm-hmm. So, are you ready for your question? Uh, you actually yeah. have two. <laughs> I've got two. Yeah, oh. two questions. And then you've and then got you a leave question one. for the next okay. guest. And the guest d- who left you the question didn't know that you'd be the guest and you won't know who you're leaving it for. Okay. It's quite interesting, really. Of We've had ooh, we've had some <laughs> questions that are quite relative without people knowing, obviously, who they were leaving it for. Which is actually very fitting, this Come one. Ah, oh, yeah. How have you dealt with your setbacks? Mm-hmm. Which is interesting. Yeah, that's what that one first. And what, yeah, because <laughs> the next one's funny. Yeah, go on. How how have you dealt with your setbacks? I mean, so optimism, like we talked about earlier, I think that is one of the things I'd say, I'd say to anybody when you've got a setback is, is trying to find a way to be optimistic about the way past it, the way through it, uh, you know, and I think if you've got that as the first step, then you can start to look for the actions and stuff to, to move you in that direction. Uh, and also subconsciously, your brain's going to try and find ways to move you out and out of that situation or that setback. Um, but only if we sort of be optimistic that we are going to, you know, get through it. Whereas if we sit in it for too long, uh, the thoughts, and when I say sit in it, I mean like letting those thoughts, you know, be predominantly negative or, you know, um, yeah, c- counterproductive, that ends up just leaving us be stressed, anxious, and it doesn't help us to move through it. So, you know, trying to optimis- uh, be optimistic in the face of adversity, recognising that you will get through it. It's just a matter of how and when. And that's, you know, yeah. It just, yeah, I'd probably say that as, and also, I'd say trying to put, pour, or put, put into your own self-belief as well, even though that might sound challenging for somebody who maybe doesn't believe in themselves a lot, you know, trying to reaffirm that, whether that's writing it down or watching positive stuff on like YouTube or, you know, Instagram, like the little reels where it's like, you can fucking do it, you know, that yeah. kind of stuff, you know, just trying to reaffirm that you have the power within you. And it might sound cliche, but you have the power within you to make the changes that you need to and to get past things, but also try and, you know, don't be afraid to ask for help along the way. So be optimistic, ask for help where needed, but then pour into yourself and know that you are the person that's going to carry you through it. That's that's an epic answer. It was very good. (laughs) Part two, what is the most embarrassing moment that's ever happened to you? Fuck, that's a good one. (laughs) Isn't Um, it? Pants ever come down in the sea? 
Have you ever, sh- have you ever <laughs> shit yourself on a, on Ultra? <laughs> I haven't. No, no. Not no, quite David Goggins yet, nearly, then, are you? <laughs> nearly. Fuck. Um, most embarrassing thing. Take your time. Um, we'll sing girl. in the moment. Do, I've do, probably, do, do, I probably do, do, repressed whoa. it. I've probably yeah, repressed I've it. I've forgotten this about is, it. Yeah, I'm just going to be bringing up some trauma here. You know? <laughs> um, <laughs> have to be a part two now. Mm. There's definitely... There's definitely something that's probably more embarrassing, but the one that's coming to mind is when I was in school, um, like, so I was like in, I was a bit of a geek in year seven, right? I was a bit of a geek in the first year of school. And then year eight, I started hanging around with some of the guys and whatever. And then I became sort of one of the boys, quote unquote. <laughs> um, but my sort of way of, of just getting in with the boys and just, you know, whatever was, when we'd get chases of off the older boys, the boys in your ten, year eleven, so we'd all mouth to mouth, oh, come on, yeah, and then they'd be chasing us around school. Um, I would be the one who'd stand there with my arms out and just take a beat in, right? And <laughs> I used to do it, like, come on, and they just give me a bit of a you know a beat in. Um, but then there was these twins, right? And I, I say right to them, I speak, I, stuff, I speak to them, right? they're quite tidy actually. But at the time, I used to like they basically started wedging me. <laughs> Right, and I when I say a wedgie, oh, no. I mean whoop, up there, right? <laughs> and I had like these, I had like wife, I was remember actually, I had wife front football like boxes or something like that. Right, they were terrible. I was only like four, no, not fourteen. I was younger than that, twelve. Yeah, I was about twelve, I think. And um, I remember they literally like they broke off. Do you know what I mean? They had me up in the fucking air oh, like my this, God. broke off in the yard in front of everybody. <laughs> Like, I stopped mouthing to them all then, right? Because I, I could take the beatings, but the fucking wedgies and, the, you know, breaking the underpants and all that, that was, like, super embarrassing. And, like, every time I'd see them then, I was like, it was a G. I was like, yeah, you know, I was hiding from, honestly, I was, I was like, no, fuck, you know, I, I stayed away. I got special pants on today, all these to be ruined. <laughs> yeah. Right oh, fair play. Like, yeah, they, they had me good. Do you know what I mean? I was like, doing that, it really made me stop mouthing. That taught you not to mouth to the big it, boys again. It did. It did. Yeah, it was the beatings I could take, yeah, not the fucking wedgies. But so, yeah, that was probably, there's definitely something more embarrassing than I'm that. I'm sorry, that's, that's, pretty, that's pretty bloody embarrassing. Hard. Yeah, it was, to be fair. It was. <laughs> After, next time I see, I see them, one of them, the, one of them, a couple of weeks ago, actually. I'd have to tell them how much they <laughs> ruined my fucking childhood. Just this podcast. <laughs> just, just, <laughs> yeah, you ruined it. my fucking childhood. <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, God. Oh, goodness me. Oh, no, thank you so much for joining us. It's been such an epic conversation. Um, no, really appreciate how open and honest you've been. And um, yeah, thank you very much. Do I have to do a question for the next person? Yes, yes. do it at the end. Afterwards. Yeah, okay, all cool. in good time. Yeah, Get yeah. thinking. Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, thank, thank you, you so uh, much. Thank you very much for having me. Thank you. And remember, keep saying how it is. Sweet. The end. <laughs> <laughs> oh, class. Thanks for listening to today's episode. We hope you enjoyed the conversation as much as we did. Please like, follow and subscribe to make sure you stay up to date and say it how it is. And don't forget to share these conversations with the people you think it may help the most. You'll find all of ours and our guest social media handles linked in the show notes below. We can't wait to see you all next week. And remember, keep saying it how it is. <laughs>